In each episode of the Rebel Educator podcast, you'll hear discussions with world-class educators, students, and thought leaders in education as I extract the tactics, tools, and routines that you can use as teachers and parents. I'm Tanya Sheckley, founder of Up Academy and host of Rebel Educator. I invite you to join me for these conversations as I discover how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to resist tradition, reignite wonder, and reimagine the future of education. Subscribe to Rebel Educator wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, the guys have a great conversation with Jen Kennett with Mosaic LLC. From helping creators license text for assessment passages and more, to helping publishers provide even more available text, Mosaic's Curation IQ makes the process much easier and profitable for all entities involved. We've got all of that, an EduTech tip and more, up next on the EduTech Guys. You're listening to the EduTech Guys, edutechguys.com. Hey, there we go. Welcome to the show. I'm David Henderson. Wow, I was looking for a hey, hey there. You know, you see, stop it with, oh, I'm, I'm so confused. Anyway, I'm Jeff Matlock. Yeah, welcome to Edutech. Yeah, I say this is season eight. So you throw one. Jeff a curveball, and he doesn't even see I, that. Smacked me right in the helmet, knocked right, me to the ground, right in the helmet. I dropped my bat. It could have been worse. Dropped my bat. <laughs> I'm rushing the mound at this point. This is this is completely Listen, thrown me. I will Nolan Ryan your butt to your Robin Ventura. Well, let me continue with a bloodied lip. Here's what's happening with us. It's season eight. Uh, we've been doing this a long time. Well, long time, not right. yeah, not a long time, but it, long enough. It, hey. Uh, we think we think you'd like us. That's good enough. Uh, yeah, and you'd think we'd been doing it long enough that we'd have a clue what we were doing. I think I'm doing my Sally Field. Are you like me? You really like me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's going to be a great show today. Um, we're stepping outside of our comfort zone, talking some re- uh, to uh, someone about some really cool stuff that, you know, it's very new to us. We learned a lot, and we hope you learn a lot, too. But i tell you what you can learn right now. If you go out to Google, type in EduTech, guys, you're going to find us. We're going to be there. We are. With our sweet cherub-like faces looking right back at you. Right back at you. Right back at you. Hey, I tell you what, you can check us on the web, edutechguys.com, or just type in edutechguys, or at at edutechguys, and you'll find us on all social media. We're out there doing our thing constantly. Well, and speaking of doing our thing... Our, the school year has fired up here in Arkansas, and yeah. starting to fire up around the country. Kids back in school, teachers back in the classrooms. Yeah, it's going to be a year. I tell you what, coming up pretty soon, we'll probably do a back-to-school show, because I know a lot of schools are still just starting. Some Texas schools don't start yeah. next week, and some schools like Alaska doesn't start until like November. I don't know that's true, but, <laughs> you know. That disclaimer, that may or may not be true. Yeah, the Canadians go to school like, one week in October. Eh. So I don't know. I don't, no, no offense to our Canadian friends. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you that's guys, right. Yeah. Both of you. We're sorry about that. A lot to talk about when we talk about that. You know, it's uh, right now is a huge teacher shortage. Huge teacher shortage. In fact, more schools in the last few weeks have decided to go to four day uh, four day school weeks mm-hmm. because they can't provide enough teachers. So they've actually decided, well, the, we've got to do something different here. But I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with uh, Jen Kennett with Moses. LLC. We'll be right back.
Are you using Soundtrap for personal use, recording podcasts, making music, and more? More importantly, are you using Soundtrap in the classroom? Soundtrap for the classroom is amazing, allowing students the ability to create music, podcasts, audio for their projects, and so much more. Check out Soundtrap now at Soundtrap.com. Hey, welcome back to the Edutech guys. We're excited to have our next guest on yeah. the show. Um, this is the season uh, eight, episode one. So this is the first episode of our eighth season. This is like show five twelve or something like that. So we're real excited to, to have our next guest. We're going to let her introduce herself, tell us who she is, and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Thank you guys so much. So I'm Jen Kennett. I am the owner and founder of Mosaic. Um, I've spent 22 years doing rights and licensing in the education space. Um, a lot of that in K-12 and assessments, you know, even working on the publisher side of, of, for publishers to proactively license their content into education. And um, so I started this company about four years ago now. Oh, wow. Well, I think it's very interesting that you've been in rights and licensing. We, Jeff and I both work for a school district, and we just had an issue come up where a, a teacher was trying to show a video in class and was having trouble because the because of the uh, licensing and the copy protection that's involved, it wouldn't actually let it display on the display board. And so, you know, that was one of the things that we're trying to help communicate with educators. You know, how how does that work? What does Don't that look use like? copyrighted stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we try to do with it. It sounds easy, but so so how does Mosaic fit into that? I know not necessarily you know, movie rights, but in, in terms of that, that licensing, being able to yeah. use the content and find the content that you can use. Yep, that is exactly what we do. Um, the thing is, is we don't generally do it for, for the classroom use for teachers per se. So mm -hmm. they kind of there's a lot of things around that that get a little bit tricky, fair use and what they can use and how they're using it. So, you know, um, teachers for the most part kind of learn to navigate that space the best they can. Mm -hmm. Um, but what we do is we work with companies like Pearson, Curriculum Associates, okay. um, all companies, DRC. We do work with school districts directly as well. Um, so some of those that build their own curriculum or want to create their own assessments that need authentic text. Um, and that's where we come in. Um, and it is very complicated. And so one of the things that we've done is we've developed a, a closed platform that is for passage searching. And we partnered with over 100 publishers. We work with Learner, Penguin Random House, Smithsonian, New York Times, wow. um, pretty much just about any Thing you can want and what we do is we partner with them to put their content on the platform and deep tag it to an educational taxonomy because finding it is a huge part of the equation so okay so who when you're saying when you're saying that people are searching and they're trying to find the content who exactly is looking for this content Passage finders, um, test makers. Um, okay. So, um, yep. So, one of the th quotes that I love to use is uh, Gregory Sizik. He did an article called Did the uh, Common Core Kill the Classroom Assessment, I believe, um, in Edwig. And he talks about that. He touches on it, which is great because there isn't just a lot of information. This is one of those things that's kind of the underbelly. Everybody has to deal with it, but a lot of people don't really talk about it. 
Um, and he talks about how difficult it is to go and find these passages. You have to find these authentic texts, and especially if it's a paired passage, he said it's like finding a needle in a haystack, or in those cases, a, a, you know, a pair, it's two heat needles in a haystack. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that's half the battle. Um, so by working with these publishers, one of the things that we do is we look at their body of content and we say, okay, well, what is, you know, easier to license? So when we work with Pingham Random House, for example, uh, we'll go through and we'll say, okay, well, these pieces require author approval or these are kind of notoriously difficult to deal with. So we won't put them on the platform. Um, you know, so we want to kind of avoid that. Not everything on the platform has like global rights, but they do have a minimum of US, US text rights. Mm-hmm. So. so I have to ask this question. How did you, I, I know where you started in this, but how did the idea of a mosaic come up and, and how did it make your job that you previously had easier or evolve into what it is now? How, how did that come about? You know, what was the aha moment for you? Um, that was, well, it kind of built, but I, there the aha moment was when I was working with a client and they gave us a spec sheet. So, right, when they're building these programs, um, any one of these companies, right, a Pearson or, or even a school district or whatever, they're building the program. They built out their product roadmap and they have their specs built. So they, they say, well, we need, you know, for each grade, one fiction piece, one historical fiction, one fiction realism, one, you know, whatever. And then they have it mapped out down to, to like what skills they're trying to teach or what standards they're trying to align that to, to a female lead, to a male lead, to that it's got to be urban, that it's got to have. So it's, it's, everything's mapped out already. So you have kind of like all the metadata, you're going out there traditionally and you're going to libraries or searching online, you're trying to find these pieces and then fit it into these specs, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So somebody gave us their full, they gave us a spreadsheet, all their specs and I'm going, all my metadata is right here. If I only had the content mapped to it already, it's really easy to put that in there. Um, so that was like the moment that it, it was a, you know, accumulation of like dealing with publishers as well. When I was on the side where I was asking for stuff and I'd send it to a publisher and the publisher would be like, wait a minute, we've got all this other content. Can you look at it? I'm like I can give it to the team, but they've already picked their pieces. So chances of them going back. So I knew publishers over over here raising their hand saying, hey, we have more stuff. We have this need. We want to license more. And then at the other side, these educational program builders had all these specs and had no solution for content. Wow. That's like providing for the farmer and for the market at the same time. You know, I mean, you, you, you hit both with a double-edged sword, to, to say it that way. That's pretty amazing. So, um, I, know, I know the name is uh, Mosaic IQ. Um, and, oh, sorry, Mosaic with an IQ. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are you guys, so what, just to ask for the tech geeks out there, are, is there any AI involved yet? Are you guys looking at, does it learn from itself? Is it learning as it's doing all this? I wish. Um, yeah, we're not. <laughs> um, so the platform itself is called Curation IQ, okay. by the way. So the company is Mosaic and the platform where people go search and it's curationiq.com. Uh-huh. Um, it is only available to test developers or curriculum makers. It's sure. not a classroom. 
product, but um, it is, there's no AI. And I, I did explore that a little bit. There's maybe some small things that we could do, but some of this stuff is just too complex. Mm-hmm. And so we do a lot of manual tagging. So we get, when we get a publisher's files, we get some metadata from them, really basic stuff, names, um, you know, keywords, which we often augment. It's, it's honestly, you know, their, their metadata usually sits for like the trade and consumer audience, um, not for education. Um, so I spent about two years building the taxonomy. And so it's very particular to that and what I saw that, you know, that was the need in education. So we tag for things like author craft, which that would be a really hard one to for an AI to tag to. Um, we tag for text structures and features, which might be a little bit easier. So we've kind of looked at some things that maybe could, but the expense that is involved in it just wasn't feasible for us. Sure. Um, but yeah, we tag for um, main character ethnicity, gender, author origins, region settings. So somebody can literally go in and say, I'm looking for an, a biography for grade four, Lexiles, of course, um, with an Asian female lead set in Japan. Yeah. Um, something like that. They can, they can literally come in and put all that in, all the metadata is there around it. So has the... the um um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to word this as I'm formulating this question, and <laughs> I don't mean to offend anybody, but given 2022 and the current circumstance regarding things like gender identity and and pronouns and et cetera, how, how much has that complicated what you guys mm. do? Or what you do? I don't know. Which, I don't know how big your team is. So. Just more tagging? <laughs> is that what it would just be more metadata tagging? Is that what it comes down to? Sometimes, sometimes we'll change. We've added some fields. We have a topic taxonomy, and I've definitely augmented that over time uh-huh. because of DEI needs. Um, but for gender identity, it's still such a sticky area. Um, I've not done anything there. Sure. I mean, of course, there's ways to label things. Of course, mm-hmm. um, we'll do that. But it's it's not it's not a part of the fixed vocabularies or something yet. Um, and we keep it real simple, even on gender. It's, um, you know, it's only human characters. So even if an animal is anthropomorphic, we don't, hmm. we don't put that in there. So we just kind of try to keep that stuff really clean. So I have to ask this is maybe going back a little way. So what was it like when you went from the old way to this way? Was it like, um, you know, when you see the commercial where it's like five website visitors and then 5,000 website visitors, was it one of those moments where like, oh, we're providing so much more all of a sudden? Yeah, I wish it's actually been more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, you know, education and people and their process, it's mm. slow to change. Yeah. This is no different. Wow. Um, I still have folks, I have a couple, we have a couple that use this exclusively and their licensing goes so smooth. They'll come in and they'll say like, okay, we're developing this assessment for the state. We're going to need a hundred pieces. They come in and they, they go through all the content. They fill out a spreadsheet and I'm able to go in and just kind of build it out for them as far as quotes and rights and everything that they want. Mm-hmm. It runs pretty smooth. Then you've got clients that will pick some stuff from here and then some stuff outside. And um, for some of those guys, I still help them on clearance mm-hmm. stuff as well. So it's it's hard to go through that with them where they picked a piece that's outside and it's taking six months and it's really difficult. And I'm like, all the pieces are that they picked through curation IQ are already cleared. 
um, it's sometimes they just, you know, we're working on it. So it's a volume of content too. So we've got, we've got over a hundred publishers, a hundred thousand pieces, but until you have like everything they can possibly dream up that they want, um, maybe it'll get to that point where it can be utilized fully, but yeah, yeah it amazes me because everybody has heard this. Like I remember, gosh, when Common Core was coming up and um, folks were really wanting to use text permissions in the same way as they were getting image rights, right? Mm-hmm. So most of those guys, they use stock agencies, they get a master agreement, they just go in and pick and pay and it's so easy. And everybody was asking it, like McGraw and all the Pearson, and they're like, well, is there some way that we can do this with text? And this is the closest I've gotten to it. This is this, that's, I don't know any other way because there's just too many variables across so many publishers. Um, and um, I thought, I thought too, I thought it would be like, people would just be running to come get permissions. I mean, it's, it's been a process. It's, yeah. It hasn't been as, as quickly as I had hoped. Um, I love to use, and I want to give her a shout out as Verini Sharath. Um, I heard a podcast that she did once and she started, she's the founder of K20 Educators. Mm-hmm. And she said the reason she started um, K20 Educators is because people out there couldn't imagine anything better and I couldn't imagine anything worse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Man, that hits the nail on the head. That yep. is, that's why I wanted to do this. Yeah, I, and it's interesting you're talking about that. So, you know, my brain's, we were talking before this episode, you, know, you and I, and you and David and I were. How do we how do we make this uh, palatable for those watching, listening to the the podcast? And it's interesting. Well, you're, you, what you just the quote you just gave is is a prime example of that. It's just that there's, there were these little small points of light in this giant dark ocean <laughs> where we have this one idea and we know I can't think of a better way to do this and you're doing it the worst way possible. Um, so I have to ask. How did you get into this? For those teachers that are listening, educators that are listening, and we have students that listen too, and they go, that's really cool. Because trust me, someone always says, that's really cool. I would love to know how to do that. So let's talk about your path. Like, how did you get to this? What made you excited about what you do? Because you're definitely very excited about what you do. You definitely love what you're doing. So can you kind of share that a little bit with the listeners? Like, this is why I do this, because I started here. Or, you know, so jump on that so we can get there. Sure. Yeah. It's a strange, it's a strange career path. Um, and the people that do it tend to stay in it. We all know each other. <laughs> little cult. Um, so I was, I was going to school at Mizzou and, um, I couldn't afford textbooks. So I was paying for college myself. Mm-hmm. And so I worked at the bookstore so I could get book loan, um, and didn't have to pay for books. And they had a custom publishing office, which was like the crown jewel. You don't want to be on the floor shelving books. You want to mm-hmm. work in custom publishing. It's an office job. Um, so I started doing that and all you're doing is clearing copyright material um, to for the professors to use in the course packs. Um, I was an English major. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to work in publishing no matter what. If I had to empty trash cans, I would have been happy. Um, I just love books. And um, so I, I fell in love with it immediately, clearing copyrights. And I just had a knack for it. So I was like, well, this seems to be the thing I want to do. Um, so I worked in the office, became the office manager eventually. And then I got my first job at Riverside Publishing, um, the division of Houghton Mifflin doing rights clearances where I got to cut my teeth on doing it for assessment. 
Well, I love well, that because you know you you do what you love. You never work a day. So that's the that's the beautiful part of it. Well, and 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 I and I think it's so important for what you do now that you kind of came in from the publishing side. So you've seen that side of of what copyright clearance looks like from the publisher side. Now you're I don't want to say on the other side, but you know you're providing the 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 service of helping them get their copyrights. Uh, available and navigating through all of the hoops that I, I mean, I can't even fathom, you know, getting copyrights for images and music is rough as it is. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks that think, you know, text would be, well, it's just text, you know, how hard could that be? But I mean, you're dealing with the publishers and agents and authors and, you know, who can do what and, uh, you know, all of that uh, other, all those other aspects of it. And the experience that you have from the publishing side, I can only imagine helps bridge those gaps and, and make those connections between the people who need the content and the people who have the content. Yeah, that's what we really spend a lot of time on. So there's the platform and it's a self-serve tool and mm-hmm. that's great. But um, we spend a, a lot of time that, that they don't think they even realize doing those other things. Um, so there's a big gap between trade publishers, school and library publishers and the education space. And I found that a lot of times they just don't understand. So we'll get asked for like, they'll need release permission after like for assessment, right? So it's in, it's in it's secured permission, which is what they prefer, but then they need to release it on, to have it as a sample passage for a year or two afterwards. Well, some publishers are like unsecured what oh no I can't agree to that so it's just about having a conversation to explain to them what it is and that it's not on like Twitter or public site just having that conversation that you know it's very limited exposure really Um, and getting that done we've been able to do things like that that I think that had they were working on it themselves, they might not have felt comfortable reaching out or knew how to explain it. We also have a rapport built with these publishers already. So that it goes a long way. So we've spent a lot of times doing that or even helping them with contracts. Sometimes, you know, they just don't have any templates and we'll, we'll do that for them. So yeah, there's a lot of like little cleanup, small things that are, we're always doing outside of the platform. So where do you see um, Mosaic going from here? And, you know, what's your next steps? Have you guys got anything on the back burners that you're working on or, you know, your next big aha moment? Have you got anything out there that you could share with us? Yeah, um, we want to do a couple things. Um, One would be book distribution would would be next. So a lot of our folks are um, licensing the material, but then they're also, it's built into the curriculum and they want to purchase the books. Mm -hmm. And they're going outside and doing that otherwise um, while they're using our system, which is, you know, it's part of the process, but we realize that that's evolved and that's an area that we should look into doing next. Um, so that that's uh, seemed like the natural evolution to do. Um, and then another thing we're looking on doing is doing um, like a public domain subscription site. Um, so a lot of folks that, that use our system still use public domain materials. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good reasons to use it. Um, but it's hard for them to know whether something is truly in the public domain or, again, finding it. That discovery element is, is incredibly difficult. Um, so one of the things that we have on the horizon is to build a subscription database of public domain content in the same way that we have Curation IQ. Yeah, I think that is fantastic, and that would that to me is a, what an amazing opportunity, because the, the the realm of public domain content is 
vast. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And to be able to tie that in with what you're providing is, I mean, that's going to be, I think that's going to be a huge bonus for those assessment makers who are looking for some of that content. And especially, like you had just mentioned, tying that back when you've got their clients who are wanting to use the materials or perhaps already have the materials. You know, a lot of a lot of folks may know or not know, but a lot of the public domain especially you know novels and and uh, even nonfiction work that's uh, that's out there and, and a lot of it as old as it is um, which public domain does not mean old I know um, but just <laughs> clarifying that for everybody right um, but like Gutenberg old but, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know but being able to say hey I've already got these books you know in my curriculum working with those assessment uh, providers and the assessment providers being able to say, hey, guess what? We can include some of those passages and tie all of that together. And really, at that point, I mean, you talk about soup to nuts, publishing, public domain, the assessment, down to the classroom, even though that's not necessarily where your target is, ultimately, that's where you end up. You're in education, so ultimately ends up you know, in the classroom, in the student's hand. I mean, that is the full spectrum right there. That is, that's awesome. I think that's, a, that, that's, that is fantastic. So I keep David around. He ties all that together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. That's the perfect thing about the public domain stuff, right? You know, in a system like that, that could go into the classroom. See, right now we're not built to go into the yeah, classroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. But that absolutely, there's, it's, it's public domain. So there's literally nothing you couldn't do with it. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Jen, I've learned a lot tremendous a lot that I did not know about licensing so this is this is me so this is this is awesome so if we've got someone listening and we know lots of folks in the industry so yeah. you know, from Follett to you name it we know those folks Pearson and those guys if folks are listening and they want to find out more what's the best way they can get in touch with you yeah, so they could go to our website at License with Mosaic. And thank you, that is what's spelt with an IQ. Uh-huh. Uh, Licensewithmosaic.com. Um, so that's our website where you can find more. And you can also, if you're in the realm where you need to find authentic text, and we do multimedia as well. Everybody says authentic text, but that's um, that's expanded for sure. Um, and if you, are you, you're in the need for content, um, register for an account and we'll love to help. Awesome. Hey, I have to put out there too that you guys have a Twitter account. Twitter's huge with educators, by the way, and all those folks out there. It's uh, Grow with Mosaic with an IQ. Jen, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you so much to Jen for spending some time with us and helping us wrap our heads around some of the stuff that happens kind of behind the scenes in terms of licensing and copywriting and assessment passage text. And yeah, she made us look like we knew what we were talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She knows. She knows. She knows. Those guys. <laughs> I, I, it had to be, we were on a Zoom and I had the wide-eyed look I had. It was like, <laughs> there were definitely some deer in the headlight moments, but she did a great job of oh, helping us navigate help, through that. Exactly. Now I know a lot more about, I'm starting my own licensing company tomorrow. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm going to start my own assessment company and then I'll, then I, that way my company can pay. Can, and I'll help you find, that works out great. 
the Edutech guys school assessment. <laughs> it's two questions. Sorry, MLM. What's your first name? What's your last name? We had to copyright that to get even get it on there. So it's going to be one of those. Oh my! Hey, God. listen. You know, it, well, hey, we should. You know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for the Edutech Tip of the Week. That's for you. That's for our great leader at the East program. We all know him, the great Matt. Yes. So, so this week's tech tip of the week is? What is the tech tip of the week? We're going to take a deep dive here on this tip this week. And here's what it is. So um, if you ever have a problem with uh, multiple e- email addresses, needing email addresses, having used too many places, this is a great one. And just the other day, my wife was signing up for some software on a site. And it said, well, you've already used this email for this software. And I said, hey, that's OK. In Gmail, which most of us are using at this point, you can put your first name or your first part of whatever comes before the at. And then the plus sign and any word or group of words you want, no spaces, and then the at school.org or whatever your email address is. So um, if it was, you know, Pearson, you could put in, you know, mine, which is bob.bob. <laughs> plus Pearson at school.org. And that's going to, that company will then think that, hey, that's your email address, but you know it's not. And it goes to your regular email without the plus and all that kind of good stuff. Still delivers, but it's there. And the really cool thing about that is because you're adding that little plus tag at the end there, then you can use your filters and labels to organize those particular messages from those particular places and help keep your inbox nice and clean and tidy. Clean and tidy. And it also does a really cool thing with passwords because, you know, you always have to have a different password sometimes. Right. Now, luckily with SSO, you can actually click, you know, log in with Google on most places and that's working now. But if you don't, you know, if I have to go to, say, uh, school manager in Apple, I can have, you know, Jeff.Madlock plus DEP, which just you know the depth for that and at my school email address who knows i'm not giving that out because <laughs> harvard has rules i can't give that out <laughs> harvard has nothing to do with this educational program so, <laughs> nothing, nothing nothing at all in fact, they have they, nothing to do with us in fact please don't sue us harvard <laughs> so anyway hey there's that tech tip of the week there you go awesome yep. stuff man going deep so i tell you what we are going to, I guess we're done for the day, aren't we? Stick a fork in us. <laughs> Season eight, episode one. Wow. I'm pretty excited. Like chicken in a tortilla. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> it's going to be one of those years. <laughs> I have to tell you guys, actually, this is a, on a personal note. Um, David and I actually work together at the same school yeah. system yeah. district. Now we, we, David was at a cooperative in my school and I was at a school district in my school district area. And David is now our communications director and we're super excited to have him on board and his office is right across the hall from mine. So hopefully no one from my school district, listen, but we're not going to get any work done whatsoever. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's really no, exciting. Weirdly, we work way harder now than when we were in separate yeah, what entities. Is that? I don't know. What that is, is so that? weird. That is crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. Uh, the it Edutech is. guys are now part of uh, the Hope Public Schools here in Hope, Arkansas. We're excited about that. Yeah. And um, our superintendent's excited about having us on board, and we're excited to be on board. So look for us at your favorite conference. We've got some conferences coming up, and we will be there with our headphones on and maybe some mics. <laughs> just walking maybe around just with headphones, walk our headphones on. on. Cable dragging behind us. I'll have a little red wagon. David will have a 
squirt gun because I, I do kind of jump on people, so he has to squirt uh, me off and shock me. Got to, got to, got him back down. Hey, it's been a great show. I'm <laughs> Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You're listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. This is Ross Romano from The Authority here on the Bee Podcast Network. It's the show where I interview people who know what they're talking about, and no matter your role, we have some recent episodes you won't want to miss. I spoke with Mark Miller, international best-selling author and VP of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A, about his brand new book, Culture Rules. Kate Eberly Walker, CEO of Presence and author of The Good Boss, joined the show, and we've had conversations with Baruti Caffele, Peter DeWitt, Julie Evans, and many more. Join us each week for ideas to address your current pain points, new perspectives from authors you admire, and fresh takes from up-and-coming voices. Subscribe to The Authority Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.